Several times in John's account, it says this was done so that the scripture could be fulfilled. What does it mean for the scripture to be fulfilled? Is that for 2,000 years, God had been working with the people of Israel. He had been their God, and they were his people. And he had sent to them Moses the prophet and other prophets. He had sent to them King David and other kings. God was alive and working through the history of his people. And throughout that history, the different books of the Old Testament were written down. They were inspired, meaning that the human writers had some input and God had input, making sure that the morals and the truth that needed to be told were told and that there was no error when it came to faith and morals in all of Scripture. And like we heard in our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, and it's a longer reading, and if you're like me, sometimes when it's being read, I get a little, lo I get a little lost, or I don't focus, or I, I zone out for a second, and I come back in, and it sounds like it's a gospel reading. It sounds like it is definitely talking about Jesus. We had all gone astray like sheep, each following his own way, but the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. And then I remember, oh wait, this is Isaiah. This is hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth. Scripture is the roadmap to salvation history, meaning it marks the major moments of God working through the history of his people, through us, our people. We are the new Jerusalem. We are the church. We are the new Israel. That's what I meant. The new Israel. The new Jerusalem's in heaven. The new Israel. People of faith. People that follow Abraham's example and follow God, the God of Abraham, through faith. And not necessarily because of our blood lineage through the 12 tribes of Jacob. The plan for Jesus to come. To come and to be the final sacrifice the final Passover, was always in God's mind. He always had in his mind to have us restored to our dignity, the dignity that was lost with Adam and Eve and the first sin. In the Passover, the original Passover, when we read about it in Exodus and Leviticus, we find that there are two lambs, two sheep, two sheep one year old each, unblemished, one is sacrificed, the other one is laid, the other one has his, the other one has the high priest laying his hands on the head of the second lamb and taken to the gate of the city and then is released into the wild with all the sins of the people on the head of that lamb, of that goat. That's where scapegoat comes from. Every year this was done, every year not only to remember all of their sins, but to take away their sins, but not permanently, because no amount of blood from lambs or animals, no matter the number of sacrifices, would be enough to bridge that gap. It ends, in a sense, where it all began, in a garden. But now this garden has a tomb, a tomb that was prepared for Adam and Eve after the fall. This is all figurative. And Jesus, the new Adam, puts himself there 
as a seed, so to speak, in the garden, in this tomb, to be planted, to assume that death that Adam and Eve and all of their descendants have fallen victim to. He took that on himself so that scripture could be fulfilled. The scripture of Genesis 3, chapter 3. The seed of the woman will strike the head of the serpent, and the serpent will strike at the heels of the man, of the seed. This is what is the ultimate fulfillment of Scripture, that Jesus, that the Son, that our human nature combined with God's divine nature had the humility and the obedience and the power to overcome all sin, to be the final sacrifice. Every Mass is not a new sacrifice. It's a reconnection, a remembrance of his sacrifice on the cross. We owe him a great debt. We, grow, we owe him a debt that we can never pay back on our own. All he asks of us is to be his disciples. All he asks of us is to follow the Lord with our whole strength, mind, soul, and body. And to love our friends, love our neighbors, to lay down our life for those that we love, and if necessary, for those that we don't like. When I sit back down here, we'll take a few moments of extra silence for prayer before we begin something called the Solemn Intercessions. And there are 11 of them this year. And they're purposefully a slower pace than normal petitions or intercessions at Mass. But let us take this moment of silence to appreciate the sacrifice that the Lord has made for us, and let us appreciate the sacrifice of his Son. Let, him appre let us appreciate that throughout all of history, God wanted us back. And he wants those generations after us. He wants them back as well. And he'll work through us to help get them back.